Section twenty of Shakespeare Identified. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Shakespeare Identified in Edward de Vere by J. Thomas Looney. Section twenty. The Lyric Poetry of Edward de Vere. Part two finally we have this from the passionate pilgrim which bears more than one mark of shakespearean or de vere influence if not of actual origin fair is my love but not so fair as fickle mild as a dove but neither true nor trusty bright as a glass and yet as glass is brittle softer than wax and yet as iron rusty a lily pale with damask dye to grace her none fairer nor none falser to deface her this is not the place to discuss the mystery of jaggard's piratical publication we insert this particular stanza because if it was not shakespeare's it at any rate shows what was considered at that time to be characteristic of shakespeare's work it will be noticed that it is in the familiar venus stanza it turns upon the idea of feminine fickleness it brings in the lily and the damask contrast at the same time the similes of glass and wax are distinctive of de vere's work though the stanza contains figures and phrases suggested of de vere or shakespeare as a piece of versification it is quite inferior in several points it looks rather like a piece of patchwork from de vere's poems and if this is what it really is to have it put forward as shakespeare's work suggests that jaggard either knew or suspected that de vere was shakespeare in this connection it is interesting to note that the folio edition of shakespeare which was published just a generation later was printed by someone with a different christian name but with the same unusual surname of jaggard sir sidney lee ascribes the printing to the same man who had associated his son with the issue of the later work returning to de vere's verses the outstanding word is damask associated with the damask rose in the small collection of his poems this word occurs twice and in shakespeare the word occurs six times one of which is of doubtful shakespearean origin on both of the occasions in which de vere uses the word it has reference to a woman's complexion and in four out of the five times when shakespeare uses the word it is used in precisely the same connection before leaving this matter it will be well at this point to emphasize a principle which is vital to the argument contained in this chapter namely that we are not here primarily concerned with the mere piling up of parallel passages what matters most of all is mental correspondence and the general unity of the treatment which follows from it of this the poem by de vere and the set of stanzas from lucrece form an excellent example to begin with here we have what are virtually two complete poems upon one theme dominated by an identical conception permeated by precisely the same spirit illustrated by the same imagery and clothed in a remarkably similar vocabulary such a comparison it hardly needs pointing out stands on a totally different plane from the baconian collations of words and phrases 
the kinds of criticism which have quite justly been levelled at these mere text-gathering labours do not we believe apply to the main body of the comparisons treated in this chapter turning now from such details of workmanship as have governed the above comparison we may now consider a more general matter his treatment of the subject of love we find first of all in these early poems of de vere's something very far removed from the conventional or weakly sentimental expressions of affection then in vogue in some of philip sidney's early poetry this kind of thing becomes positively silly in de vere's work on the other hand we have a firmly knit personified treatment of love in the abstract the dominant notes of which are as unaffected as they are shakespearean there is in particular a set of lyrics highly praised by more than one writer which are in the form of a dialogue with desire the prominence of this word and the idea in the work of shakespeare and of de vere will receive special attention later for the present we shall simply take a few lines from the latter as bearing upon the theme of love is he god of peace or war what be his arms what is his might his war is peace his peace is war each grief of his is but delight his bitter ball is sugared bliss what be his gifts how doth he pay sweet dreams and sleep new thoughts in day beholding eyes in mind received what labours doth this god allow sit still and muse to make a vow their ladies if they true remain why is he naked painted blind though living long he is yet a child a god begot beguiled when wert thou born desire in pride and pomp of may what was thy meat and daily food sad sighs and great annoy what hadst thou then to drink unfeigned lovers tears as part of our work is to represent the process of investigation it may be worth while to indicate its operation in this instance when the contents of de vere's poem had become quite familiar as a result of repeated reading the next step was to select the plays of shakespeare in which we were most likely to find the substance of this poem deposited amongst these a midsummer night's dream naturally occupied a foremost place after then the reader has in his turn thoroughly familiarized himself with these lines let him refer to a midsummer night's dream act one scene one and begin reading from the course of true love never did run smooth continuing to the end of the scene and noticing specially such expressions as the following true lovers have been ever crossed it is a customary cross as due to love as thoughts and dreams and sighs wishes and tears by all the vows that ever men have broke in number more than women ever spoke we must starve our sight from lovers food love looks not with the eyes but with the mind therefore is winged cupid painted blind therefore is love said to be a child because in choice he is so oft beguiled as de vere's lines are from lyrics on desire it is interesting to note that the word desire occurs no less than three times in the part of the scene that precedes the lines we quote from shakespeare whilst the idea of desire presides over the whole scene 
in both cases we have passing allusions to the skylark and the month of may revealing not only a similar concatenation of ideas but also of their associated words and figures of speech had the lines been called from different parts of de vere's work on the one hand or from different parts of shakespeare's on the other their force would not have been the same it is the unity of treatment in each case and a similarity extending to identical words and even rhymes child with beguiled which is so suggestive of a single mind at work in both cases a theory strengthened by the absence of anything analogous in the work of contemporary poets this is further supported by the appearance of similar rhetorical forms in dealing with the same theme in a midsummer night's dream we have the following hernia the more i hate the more he follows me helena the more i love the more he hateth me in another poem of de vere's we have the following the more i followed one the more she fled away as daphne did full long ago apollo's wishful prey the more my plaints i do resound the less she pities me this idea of love's contrariness runs right through the poem of de vere's from which the last lines are quoted and we might almost describe a midsummer night's dream as a burlesque on the same idea with the two passages just quoted in mind turn to act two scene one in the play and read the encounter between demetrius and helena where the former enters with the latter following him d get thee gone and follow me no more do i not in plainest truth tell you i do not nor i cannot love you h and even for that do i love you the more the more you beat me i will fawn on you only give me leave unworthy as i am to follow you run when you will the story shall be changed apollo runs and daphne holds the chase here again it will be noticed we have an exact correspondence in conception heightened by the introduction of apollo and daphne in both cases and demetrius's treatment of helena's plaints is exactly described in de vere's line the more my plaints i do resound the less she pities me a most signal instance of the essential unity of the two sets of work we are now comparing is presented in connection with this idea of desire by far the longest of de vere's poems containing no less than nineteen stanzas and representing nearly a quarter of the entire collection of his poetry is on this theme a theme which frequently reappears in the other three quarters as to its position in shakespeare's works it will suffice to quote the following passage from mr frank harris's work on the man shakespeare shakespeare gave immortal expression to desire and its offspring love jealousy etc desire in especial has inspired him with phrases more magically expressive even than those gasped out by panting sappho in de vere's work again desire is personified just as we find it in stanzas one hundred one and one hundred two of shakespeare's lucrece and the word desire ranks for importance in the vocabulary of the great dramas with the word will to which as sir sidney lee points out it was closely allied in shakespeare's day this single word then forms an important bridge between the two sets of writings and by itself makes quite a significant addition to the evidence and support of common authorship in a somewhat different strain is shakespeare's treatment of love in the dialogue between valentine 
and proteus in the two gentlemen of verona act one scene one to be in love where scorn is bought with groans coy looks with heart-sore sighs one fading moment's mirth with twenty watchful weary tedious nights if haply won perhaps a hapless gain if lost why then a grievous labour won however but a folly bought with wit or else a wit by folly vanquished as in the sweetest bud the eating canker dwells so eating love inhabits in the finest wits of all by love the young and tender wit is turned to folly losing all the fair effects of future hopes but wherefore waste i time to counsel thee that art a votary to fond desire made me neglect my studies lose my time or with good counsel set the world at naught made wit with musing weak heart sick with thought again we must ask the reader first of all to make himself thoroughly familiar with these lines noticing the wit and folly paradoxes wasted times defeated hopes and though last not least the concluding rhyme now compare this with the following from two of de vere's poems my meaning is to work what wonders love hath wrought wherewith i muse why men of wit have love so dearly bought it's now a peace and then a sudden war a hope consumed before it is conceived at hand it fears it menaceth afar and he that gains is most of all deceived love wets the dullest wits his plagues be such but makes the wise by pleasing dote as much loves a desire which for to wait a time doth lose an age of years and so doth pass as doth a shadow severed from his prime seeming as though it were yet never was leaving behind naught but repentant thought of days ill spent on that which profits not here again we have an exact correspondent short of mere transcription even to the extent of an identical rhyme whilst valentine's raillery of his friend that he had become a votary to fond desire is redolent of de vere's verses on this theme which finish with the words then fond desire farewell thou art no mate for me i should be loath methinks to dwell with such a one as thee as a final remark on the question of love we shall merely point out that if the reader wishes to have a summary of edward de vere's treatment of the subject let him turn to shakespeare's venus and adonis and read the first five of the last ten stanzas of the poem in which venus is prophesying the fate of love when the passages we have quoted are weighed carefully side by side phrase by phrase and word by word hardly anyone will question the similarity of the mind behind them and most people we believe will agree that there are striking resemblances of expression exact repetition of course is not to be looked for for one of the astonishing features of shakespeare's work is the freshness and constant variety maintained throughout so great a mass of writing but to the modest contention that one contains the possible germs of the other few readers will have any difficulty in acceding an intensified interest in de vere's work will doubtless cause everything he has written to be subjected to a most careful scrutiny and its comparison specially with the lyric work of shakespeare with appropriate allowances for the differences between early and matured work will probably settle conclusively the claims we are now making on his behalf as reflecting the correspondence alike in mental constitution and general literary style in another vein 
take first of all the following three verses each of which forms the opening stanza of a separate poem of de vere's fain would i sing but fury makes me mad and rage hath sworn to seek revenge on wrong my mazed mind in malice is so set as death shall daunt my deadly dolors long patience perforce is such a pinching pain as die i will or suffer wrong again if care or skill could conquer vain desire or reason's reins my strong affections stay there should my sighs to quiet breast retire and shun such sights as secret thoughts betray uncomely love which now lurks in my breast should cease my grief by wisdom's power oppressed love is a discord and a strange divorce betwixt our sense and rest by whose power as mad with reason we admit that force which wit or reason never may word lost through an obvious misprint in dr grossart's collection we would draw attention first to the double-barreled alliterations contained especially in the first of these stanzas an artifice of shakespeare's upon which writers have commented we have quoted stanzas from three separate poems in order to show that the frame of mind they express a restlessness of the emotional nature was characteristic of the poet now take the sentiment and manner of expression represented by the three stanzas as a whole and compare them with the following passages from two of shakespeare's sonnets one hundred forty and one hundred forty seven one for if i should despair i should grow mad and in my madness might speak ill of thee now this ill-resting world is grown so bad mad slanderers by mad ears believed be two my reason the physician to my love hath left me and i desperate now approve desire is death which physic did accept past cure i am now reason is past care and frantic mad with evermore unrest my thoughts and my discourse as madmen's are at random from the truth vainly expressed for i have sworn thee fair and thought thee bright who art as black as hell and dark as night we might safely challenge any one to find in the whole range of elizabethan literature another instance of a poet expressing the same kind of thought and feeling in lines of the same distinctive quality as is represented by the two sets here presented for comparison unsupported by any other evidence they would justify a very strong ground of suspicion that edward de vere and shakespeare were one and the same man it is of first importance to keep in mind that the lines here quoted from shakespeare are not extracted from a drama but are from the most realistic of personal poetry even those who would deny an autobiographical significance to many of the sonnets admit the intensely realistic character of the particular group from which the above are taken we have therefore in each case the simple and direct expression of the private mind of the poet in a vein so distinctive as to leave hardly any room for doubt that both are from one pen End of section twenty